pleasant good morning to everyone and welcome to another edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. Yours truly here. Happy New Year 2022. A new year. Hopefully everything will be great as far as living, health, and even financial for those who want to say, hey, you can always use financial stability. Amen to that. Charles Edmund joins me as special guest co-host. Charles, good morning, sir. Happy belated birthday and happy new year to you. All three. Yeah, thank you very much. And a happy new year to you and your family and happy new year to everyone. It's a new year, new beginning, and uh, let's go. <laughs> well, new beginning in Southwestern Athletic Conference basketball, the conference Openers are, are scheduled Monday, January 3rd. We'll, we'll talk about that. But the guest menu, of course, Charles Edmund joins me. And to talk Southwestern Athletic Conference basketball will be the Coles Brown Show's basketball analyst, Coach Van Petaway. He'll join me and Charles at mm, second hour, which will be 12 noon at Central Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then Last but not least, following Coach Van Petaway will be Brandon B.J. Jones, the Coles Brown Show's Black College Football football analyst to wrap up uh, the football season. Charles, it's been a couple of weeks since the show has been on, but, you know, hey, Happy New Year once again. And we're going to kind of talk about some things that happened at the end of twenty. 21 and and that was a, the celebration bowl south carolina state defeats jackson state uh 31 to 10 and, and charles we predicted jackson state i think everybody did all the prognosticators but south carolina state came out and showed everybody that hey never count out the underdog yeah i mean right now the MIAC has the SWAC's number, whether it's the uh, MIAC SWAC Challenge or it's the Celebration Bowl. Uh, MIAC has it going when it comes to the MIAC SWAC matchups. You know, if you go back to uh, September, August, when uh, North Carolina Central upset Alcorn, and that's an upset, I think we could say that. I think you can clearly say that based on the, the stats, based on the records, that uh, South Carolina State upset Jackson State. I mean, you know, we I had Jackson. I thought their defense was going to be dominant like it has been all year, but their defense sprung a leak. Shadur Sanders was pretty average. Um, so, you know, as a freshman quarterback, he was average. So, I mean, you add all that up. You know, I think the, the bottom line is South Carolina State outplayed Jackson State in the game. Um, and – for Jackson State, I mean, I think Coach Sanders said it a few weeks, you know, prior, even in the SWAC championship game. The offensive line needed some work, and I think that's something Jackson State's going to have to look at in the recruiting and the transfer portal to try to get some more beef up front because clearly I saw some of the game, and clearly up front, offensive line, defensive line, you see it was uh, one-sided, and that's where games are won and lost. You just look at the college football playoffs yesterday. You see – Alabama and Georgia, they were just dominant up front. And clearly that's where Jackson State has to improve. I think a lot of us, a lot of our teams could say the same thing. Well, I guess and I was more so surprised, you know, defensively, offensively, offensive line for Jackson State. I, I know 
uh, speaking with Charles Bishop, the colleague, saying that they, they needed improvement there. Um, but defensively, uh, South Carolina State did enough to, to kind of keep that very aggressive defense, and, and they weren't able to go up top. You know, it, it's no secret. Jackson State, because of that, that defensive line and the way their defense played all year, they played press coverage, a lot of man on man, and, and they come after you. And South Carolina State was able to take advantage up top, over the top, uh, a couple of times to, to 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 keep that defense at bay. And then they were able to mix in, you know, a little bit of, of the running game, and, you know, and, and that that helps. Sometimes, as you stated, Charles, it's the attempts as much as how much yardage you get um, offensively running the football. And then I, I thought South Carolina State did a great job, Coach Pew, in the game plan. They gave Shadua Sanders different looks. A lot of times they showed blitz, they dropped back, eight in coverage. Then South Carolina State took advantage of some turnovers. Uh, Shadura Sanders was 16 of 35 for 175, but two interceptions. So I know some would say he, he, he looked like a freshman in that ball game, but hey, he had an outstanding season, and you have to remind yourself that he's yeah still a freshman. But I I, I thought South Carolina State defensively, and they were very physical, and they were able to to get it done. So a twenty one point victory, the largest victory in the uh, Celebration Bowl's short history for a team to win by twenty one point, and the MIAC once again. Defeats the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Weird, very weird, but you have to give credit to the uh, Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. They they keep getting it done. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think there are a lot of little factors with that. And I think the one thing that we that we cannot forget, and I know people might think it's an excuse, but the MEAC teams, whichever, whether it's, you know, A&T, A&T when it was in the MEAC or even if you look at South Carolina State, the MEAC representative has time to prepare for the Celebration Bowl. They have several weeks to get ready. So if you look at Jackson State, you look at their last three games, Southern, Alcorn, SWAC Championship game. That's a lot. That's a lot of wear and tear. Those are big rivalry games, big games. And I'm not, not providing any excuse, but you cannot dismiss that factor. Hope so, Charles. I was just wondering. Some some are watching to say that could be. Sounds like an excuse, but but go ahead, sir. It, it is. It is. It's going to sound like an excuse, and but I think it's 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 a legitimate point. When you have time to prepare, when you're not playing, yes, you could get rusty, but you get healthy. And you know, trust me, that that Southern game, Jackson State was down. They rallied back. You know, against Alcorn, it was ten ten at one point in the third quarter couple of big plays, and then you talked about it a few weeks ago with the SWAC championship game, a pick six, a special teams touchdown, that was a grind. So, I mean, so you have to look at it. I mean, and I, I'm not – congratulations, South Carolina State. There's no doubt about it. They outplayed Jackson State pretty much from start to finish. But you also have to look at the factors that are in there as well. If Jackson State or if Alcorn, whatever teams in the conference had the same amount of time, I would think there may be some different results so far in the early part of the Celebration Bowl series. But, hey, I'm, I'm giving South Carolina State a lot of credit. They played well. Jackson State did not. And so congratulations, South Carolina State. But I do think 
the downtime that South Carolina State had, the grind that Jackson State had, I think plays somewhat of a factor. And I think you would be you would be un it wouldn't be right if you didn't at least put it out there to say that that was a factor in the celebration bowl. Will it change? Probably not, because the MIAC probably won't have a swag of a, a MIAC championship game. That's probably not gonna happen. So whoever represents the MIAC is gonna have a lot of time to prepare. Meantime, you know, if Jackson is in it, they're playing all corn in the championship game, whatever team got two weeks to prepare for the championship, and then you got to get ready for celebration. So I, I, I just want to throw that out there because clearly, you know, we've been in it, and I know we, 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 we wore down at times when we were in it, and clearly I thought Jackson State, they did the best that they could, but South Carolina State, I thought, was a step quicker. And you could just tell maybe the preparation time maybe played maybe a bigger factor than we all want to believe that's interesting because yeah the, the way it's it's formatted in the southwest athletic conference that is going to be the normal way of doing it you know they the MIAC is going to have more downtime um but i, I think you just have to prepare and, and, and let's just be honest my humble opinion um we give credit to south carolina state game plan coach pew and that staff did an outstanding job they were fired up they heard all of the talk they heard all the prognosticators. They heard this loud mouth saying that Jackson State was going to win. Charles Ippman predicted Jackson State was going to win. They heard that, and and they came out and said, look, hey, we're not going to buy into all that. We, we, we accept the underdog role, but guess what? We don't feel like we're the underdog. We're going to come out and take care of, of business. So, you know, game planning and, and Jackson State, to me, was – you know, you're talking 18, 21 year old student athletes. They're, they're very confident that they were going to come out and, and take care of business. And, and they didn't, Charles. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And then here's another point, too. When we talk about HBCU football, when you talk about the amount of coverage SWAC teams get versus the amount of coverage that MEAC teams get. And, and I don't know many people on the MEAC side of the, of the fence. But I guarantee you, there's a lot of talk about the SWAC. There's, unfortunately, there's not a lot of talk about the MEAC. So I think there is a chip on some of the MEAC teams in terms of not getting the love or the coverage. You know, you do it, uh, Black College Sports Network, uh, Sports Lab, they give the love to the MEAC. But clearly, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of the talks about these SWAC teams. And so I think there's a lot of uh, pride from the MEAC side in terms of getting that love and getting that coverage. And the opportunities, the SWAC MEAC Challenge, well, the Celebration Bowl, those are your two biggest SWAC MEAC games, nationally televised, big-time atmosphere. So those things, I think, play a factor in it as well because the MEAC MEAC teams want to go out and prove and show that we are just as good as the SWAC. And I think the two times they can show it on a national stage is the SWAC, MEAC, or MEAC SWAC Challenge and the Celebration Bowls. So I think that plays a factor in it as well. Yeah, SWAC MEAC Challenge. They've been more successful than that, and that's the beginning of the year. And yeah. if you look at Grandma State, the only team in the Celebration Bowl that, and it was 10-9 against North Carolina Central, so only one uh, victory. Bottom line is, got to do better. Got to yeah. do better. And, and, and even in head-to-head competition during the regular season. And, and by the way, have you participated? Have, have you seen 
the conversations about who is black college national champions for 2021, I, I, I just sit back and observe. I mean, that was interesting, you know. You, you want to comment on that? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I, I get it. You know, I get it because if you want to be 1,000% brutally honest, your favorite phrase, brutally honest, if we're going to have the conversation of who's the best HBCU football team, do you include, you know, all the, the uh, NAIAs and, and, and the others? Um, I, I, I get that. And that's just like the swag meak. I mean, it's just, it, it's almost the same type of thing in terms of the coverage and I don't know if we'll ever get there. I think that's a conversation we'll have forever in a day because if you really want to truly declare an HBCU champion, then you're going to have to include the other schools. So yes, that's a, that's a point well taken. It's a point that will never go away. Will, I, will we get any solutions for that? Probably not. Um, you know, T- Tuskegee's been really good in football until this year. And you, you, look at, you look at what they've done. They can compete, I think, with any team in the conference up until this year. They could probably have a say in it, uh, but you know, I, I don't think anything's going to change. I think that's just a conversation, that's a dream that we'll have. Like, what if? What if we can include some of these other teams? <laughs> yeah, I think we can have that conversation and we can put it on paper, but will it turn into reality? Most likely not. Usually the Celebration Bowl winner has been crowned Black College National Champions. So, I'll continue to leave that up to you all for discussion. <laughs> um, Coach Julie has completed his staff. We're going to talk about that as well. And I'm um, very familiar with uh, the majority of that staff. You know, it's coming over from Prairie View, but they have Southern ties, uh, coaching ties, played. And then uh, and one guy in particular, Demarcus Boo Boo Miller, defensive line coach. All-American at Southern University. My favorite defensive tackle, 5 foot 10 listed, 285. Now he's a slim down, not 285, but um, he, he is on the staff. And then also Southern University in the early signing period, they inked about nine players. They are heavily into the JUCO ranks, which I understand. Transfer reporter. Um, you can see Southerners in there a little bit. You can see they're they're hoping to get some um, signatures, but with that being said, Coach Dooley, and we'll 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 give you the list and give us give you our thoughts about it. Um, Coach Dooley hopes to sign seventeen in, in February the fourth. That's still the majority of the the signings that will come, and I think what if you can get some early on in the early signing period which we talked about two weeks ago. They're talking about now moving it back to January. So you got a month between February 4th and, and say January the 4th or January 1st, where you can ha- have the early signing period. So Southern has at least completed their, their coaching staff and they're going to have more signees and uh, we'll take a look at that. And then also a early 2022 20, football, Charles, Season you got to go through spring season. Grambling State is um, recruiting heavily. Alabama and them the transfer portal. Alcorn State, from what I've seen, hitting the JUCOs ranks very heavily. The early twenty twenty two, too early predictions. 
in the East, Charles. Go ahead. I'm, I'm going with I'm going with Jackson State. Uh, remember, I had FAMU last year. Uh, I'm going with Jackson State one. I still think FAMU is gonna is gonna be there, and I'm going with Mississippi Valley number three. I think Valley. I think. Wait a minute, Charles. <laughs> yes, sir. I, I, calm down the emotion. I know they got like the number one JUCO quarterback. They they played everybody tough after the game. You always said, "Wow, you were in a ball game." To third place, mark that down. January first, mark, mark it down. Eleven eighteen a.m. Central Standard Time. Mark mark it down. I think Coach Dooley can now exhale a little bit. You know, thirty days ago there was some discussion of whether he would even be back, based on the fact they just they just won three games. He's been. He's going to get more time. He deserves more time. I think Valley administration made the right call. You see what they've done in the early period. Yeah, it, it's it's early, but I feel like Valley took everybody's best shot, and they were probably five or six plays away from from maybe pushing Jackson, pushing FAMU. I think they'll get over the hump. And I do think there'll be a team that they that they will be. I think they'll be the the, the number three team in the conference. Um, I, I look at Bethune. Coach Sims apparently is going to be back. I think there's a little bit of work there. Alabama A and M glass is gone. I think there's going to be a little work to be done there to see what's going to happen. You know, in in that regards, you got a new coach at Bama State, Eddie Robinson Jr. You don't know how that's going to go. So just being familiar with what we're familiar with, we're familiar with Jackson, we're familiar with FAMU, and I think we're somewhat familiar with Mississippi Valley just based on the noise that they made this past season. So, yes, this is way too early, but I do think Valley is going to be a solid three. I just, I'm not so certain that those other teams, Bethune, uh, uh, Alabama State, I'm I'm just not quite there yet with with what they've done, but I am impressed with what Coach Dancy has done at Valley. Look out, Mississippi! Look out, Swack East Mississippi Valley will be there, and they could very well ruin your day come 2022. I'll, I'll safely say, and I'm gonna be conservative, believe it or not. Uh, I think they'll be improved. Am I ready to put them in the too early? Spot at number three, mm, I don't think so. But I, I, I will say that Mississippi Valley State will be improved. And as I've watched the last couple of weeks, Alabama and them has hit the transfer portal very heavily. I mean, it, 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 it kind of reminds me of somewhat of what Jackson State did. They've, they've turned over a lot. And, yeah, they lost glass, but um, I know they signed two – Outstanding quarterbacks in class previously, but again, their first time under center in the collegiate atmosphere. So Alabama and them, we'll see. Still, they have to prove that they can defensively get it done. And now replacing Akil Glass. The West, no, it shouldn't even be no predictions right now. It's it's too early. I mean, you, have so, you have so much turnover. Um, disappointing seasons, if I could say, Alcorn State, disappointing. Um, Southern University, really disappointing. Grambling State um, ended it on ended on a high note. Looks like the future may be bright, bright with Hugh, uh, Mr. Hugh Jackson. And then Prairie View. And by the way, 
had named the coach. Will the football coach, what we're talking about, will they appoint an interim coach? That that's it's weird. You're in January now and no announcement. Maybe an interim coach from the outside looking in. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. Um, I, and it, and also, you can kind of tell that maybe people within that building, players included, may be satisfied with the process because you haven't read or heard of a lot of players transferring out based on what, based on what, I mean, I'm on social media, I'm following it, you're following it. You're not hearing so-and-so has transferred from Preview to wherever or has hit the transfer portal. So, you know, you won the Western Division, you made it to the championship game, maybe the players there feel pretty confident in the process at this point. And you, but I do think you have to hire a coach at some point in the next two, three weeks, I would think. I would think Prairie fans are a little anxious with that. Um, but that being said, the way too early predictions, you still, I think, have to go with Prairie View right now for the moment. We'll see who the next coach is going to be. Um, I do think Southern still has the pieces. Alcorn, obviously, no Felix Harper. Our defensive coordinator, Cedric Thornton, is no longer with the program. He's at Grambling. So, you know, we've got some things, you know, in, in the hopper as well in terms of trying to fill those positions. And for the first time in like four or five years, we're going to have a quarterback under center that did not play at Alcorn the previous year that wasn't groomed the year before. So that's going to be something different at Alcorn that we're going to have to look at as well. Grambling with Hugh Jackson. We don't know what Doc Gamble has up his sleeve in UAPB. There's been some turnover there. But I, I, I would say right now that Prairie View, they're defending champs. you got to stick with them. But I think that race for two, could it be Grambling? Could it be Southern? Could it be Alcorn? I think it's a flip of a coin right now. Dooley's got to get his program there. Hugh Jackson's got to get his program there. And, you know, Fred McNair's got to, you know, re remake that defense with a new leader. So I think two's going to be interesting. But I think right now, way too early, but right now I think you still have to stick with Prairie View right now. But barely, I will say that. Uh, the, the way too early uh, conversation prediction. Uh, thanks, A.B. Sent me a text message. Bubba McDowell is the interim coach at Prairie View. Yeah, I knew that, but they may just continue in that direction. As of now, it is. And I could see that as an interim. We've seen that before, right, with Coach uh, Rollins, the interim. And then based on the regular season, determines if you get it permanently. And so I, I guess I thought maybe Purdue was going to have an announcement by now. But by not having an announcement and still going with the interim uh, football Coach and Mr. McDowell, Coach McDowell, maybe that's the decision that they're going to continue to to do. That's going to be the decision, but we'll see. M Monday we may get a um, press release that Purdue uh, <laughs> and them has decided on the coach, but um, I I'm sure it's the players from the outside looking in. They probably like uh, Coach McDowell, exactly right because. You know, players, when they're ready to go, they're ready to go, and they're going to put it out there. It's going to be reported. So you hadn't heard a lot of that. So my guess is, and again, your favorite phrase, the outside looking in, it seems like the players are pretty satisfied with 
the way things are going. But look, Dooley picked some of that, you know, picked some of that preview staff off a little bit. So there's going to be some work to do there in terms of, you know, what's going to happen at preview. I mean, you still, to me, you go with the defending champs until otherwise the data shows you otherwise. And so I'm going to go with preview, but I tell you what, nipping on their heels, you know, Dooley's got a pretty good program that inherited there. Is, 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 is McDaniel going to be the quarterback? A couple of running backs not going to be there. So Dooley's got some work to do. He's got some veteran coaches, some Southern ties. So you feel like Dooley's going to get it turned around pretty quickly. But then Grambling coming off that Bayou Classic win, you know, you've got Hugh Jackson. He's going to remake that thing. Will, will Bowden be the quarterback there? Who's going to be the quarterback at Alcorn? Uh, Texas Southern's got a freshman quarterback in body. I've seen his, his workouts. He's posted that on social media. Looks like he's coming along. And again, you don't know what's going to happen with Doc Gamble at UAPB. Nobody talks about them. And then next thing you know, they're going to be surprising everybody in 2022. So the West is just what it is. The wild, wild West. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. That's a great way to, to, to put it. The wild, wild West. Um, the SWAC announced it, updated COVID-19 operational protocols for men and uh, women's basketball. And, and I tell you what, you know, you got variants moving around, COVID, now the surge. You see it every day. The numbers have spiked tremendously. It's almost like starting back over in, a, in, in an essence. So um, let me let me just read a little bit of, of what the release said. The Southwest Athletic Conference has announced its updated policy regarding men's and women's basketball games that are unable to be played due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. If an institution has a minimum of seven available student athletes and one countable coach, it must participate in the scheduled basketball contest. If an institution does not have um, the required number of participants, it may still uh wait a minute. It's basically saying you can still participate if two opponents are unable to compete due to COVID-19 issues. Both teams shall be deemed to have forfeited and each team will be charged with the loss. Institutions at their discretion can work with each other in a conference office to reschedule the the conference contest. So basically, if you're not going to be able to fill the, uh, a certain amount of players, then you'll have to forfeit. But if both teams can't have it, then the participants, the players, student-athletes, then you, you forfeit it. And so conference play starts uh, January 3rd, which is Monday. But, um, Charles, you can reschedule. Um, teams can work with each other. To, to reschedule those games, but um, boy, you kind of hope that the, the protocols in place by each institution will help because you can have both vaccinations and the booster and you're still seeing breakthrough um, situations with people getting COVID. Yep, yep, and um, I'm just looking at the schedules for both men and women, you know, just before we went on, and you have a number of teams that hadn't played almost two weeks due to late, late non-conference cancellations. 
So that's worrisome, I'm sure, for some of those coaches like Texas Southern, Bethune, BAMU, Jackson State. You know, our Lady Braves had the last two games canceled. Our men, I was in Minnesota, pulling up in the parking garage two and a half hours before tip-off the other day, and the parking attendant tells me the game has been canceled due to uh, some cases from what he heard in our program. He said, you might want to check on it. And no sooner I pulled up in the parking space, our, our coaches texted me and said the game was off. So, you know, here we go. We're right back to where we were. And, you know, the commissioner said it at football media day. He said, if there's a team that's got the cases in football, it'll be a forfeit. And now what they just came out with the guidance a couple of days ago, it looks like it's, it's the same thing. Although it's a little bit more wiggle room, if both teams have players and coaches down, they'll have to work with each other in the conference office to get the games rescheduled. Now, our game with Minnesota was canceled a few days ago. Jackson State had a late uh, non-conference game the other day that was that was canceled. Uh, we're scheduled to play each other on Monday. Uh, we'll see. I have I have not received anything that said the game is off. So as of 11.30 on this Saturday, the game is still on. But like I said, you know, I've had games canceled in the conference three hours before tip-off, six hours before tip-off. So it's just way too early to tell. But the conference is trying to protect themselves and trying to give teams some options to get these games played. Because I think everybody wants to see the games played. But you're trying to be safe. We all know what to do now the social distance. I mean, clearly the experts have said this was probably going to happen. The holidays, a lot of travel. Look, I've been traveling across the region on these planes. These planes are packed. The airports are packed. People are traveling. I can tell you that right now. I mean, people don't care about, you know, these other type of things. They're wearing their masks or doing whatever, but people are doing what they want to do. They want to travel. They want to fly. They're doing it because I've been on these planes and I'm getting tested. And I'm okay for right now. So, but we're going to have to continue to do that if we're going to have these games played. Alcorn had six games last year. Our men had six games uh, canceled due to COVID issues, 12 overall. And, you know, you're kind of seeing where this is going. So I think the conference is doing a good job of putting a stop sign up and say, hold up, hold up. If you want to play these conference games, which start Monday, this is what has to happen if the cases are there. And it looks like that's going to happen. Well, continue to follow safety rules and regulations for uh, COVID and, you know, hey, still mask up. Um, that's the most important thing. And, and so you can kind of, you know, get into these games. The conference is about to start. So the conference has put it out there. What? the protocol to follow, what's going to happen. So hopefully um, everything will be as such that you can get through this basketball conference. And by the way, you know, I'm using ranting and raving about the preseason skip records and stuff. And I look, and we're going to get more into it with Coach Petaway and Charles Edmund, but uh, Southern University, six and seven, non-conference record. That's a whole lot better. Then one and 12, two and 11, three and 10. Although you look and you see that a lot, quite a few of our teams, are, they have those type of records. But I know, Charles, you're going to say, in a way, it doesn't matter. When the conference starts, that's what they're going to be judged on. But I will say this. 
I can't say anything. I can't rant and rave about Southern and a bad non-conference record. They had some quality wins. Kent State, Tulane, Tennessee State. Hey, I'm happy. Would I be even more happier if it was 13-0? and zero? Well, we know that wasn't going to happen. But six wins compared to one or two or three. Hey, Southern University, best non-conference record. Well, I think right now people are ready for SWAC, but what what we deal with in this six-week period between mid-November and the end of December is that come March, when March Madness starts and you look at TV and you see where your SWAC team is going to be either in Dayton or 16th seed and you're fussing about it, you're cussing about it, you can't because that was determined already. Uh, now, our commissioner is on the committee, on the NCA committee. Uh, from my understanding. And so he, he might be able to lobby and legislate, but you have to win throughout the league. You have to do kind of what Southern did. If every team in the conference did what Southern did, that six and seven or something like that, a couple of big wins, I think you could push for maybe a 14 or 13 or 12 seed, but there's no doubt. I mean, I, I got it right here. You know, you got two teams that are winless. You got three teams with one win. Five teams with two wins, three teams with one win, and Southern at six and seven. So if it, and albeit, and I have to say it's tough because you got teams that only play two home games, a couple of teams had two, you know, a couple of teams maybe with three or four home games, and that's tough. And but we all know why that's the case. The ADs are saying you got to bring in a certain amount of money through guarantees. But like Coach Sanders said, I'll go back to football. You know, he's not big on playing these FBS games. I get it. But if Jackson can continue, if they continue to do what they've been doing, their last three home games, they drove over 50000 Just think how much money they brought in the last three home games, including the SWAC championship game. They feel like they don't have to play the ULMs of the world. Or, you know, they don't have to do that. Same for basketball. You know, if we do that, then we won't have to go all over the country and get these guaranteed games. But that's not the case. That's not where we are right now. So, therefore, you have some teams that haven't played a home game at all, like Alcorn, you know, a couple of teams like that. And so as long as that takes place, then we're going to continue to be where we are in terms of either being a playing opponent. I've been a part of that. I've been a part of a 16th seed and a 15th seed. It's tough. Now, we did have a 16th seed be the one seed. That can happen. It has happened, but it's only happened once in the history of the tournament. So, you know, right now, I mean, we're excited about the SWAC. I am. I'm anxious to see with Landon Buffy in year two. Anxious to see how they're going to do against Jackson State. I'm anxious to see how the conference is going to turn out. But come March, when we look at these brackets, we're going to be complaining. And I'm going to reference back to January 1 in this show. Like, hey, we got to do better in our conference. And thus, they have the ultimate struggle. Decision. Do you try to help out the conference as a whole and play games that you have a better chance of winning as far as RPI and, and get the conference higher and higher ratings? Or do you don't worry about that and say the number one objective is to we've got to bring in X amount of dollars 
that's the choice that's before them. And some institutions, most, they take the latter. They've got to bring in a certain amount of money. We've talked about this till we're blue in the face about what needs to be done, what they should do. So it's no secret. But as long as you have director of athletics that insists that Alcorn, Summer, Universal Arkansas Pine Bluff, you bring in X amount of dollars, play-in is, is basically where you're going to be at. In every blue moon, you may get a 15 seed or 14 seed. 12 seed, 13 seed, I mean, not on a consistent basis. That should be the goal. But then as a conference, everybody has to cut back on those money games and start playing those teams that are ranked maybe 75 to 125, specifically 75 to 100 or 75 to 150 and start having success. You know, Kent State, Tulane, and then, you know, Tennessee State, that's a comparable game. Those are Southerners, you know, uh, uh, of victories. So hopefully, as a conference, and when the leadership of the commissioner, they'll continue to to evaluate and make a decision, not try to do both, but do one or the other. And then you can throw in, uh, you know, two or three. We've talked about it before, uh, of those guarantee games. But I wouldn't hold, I wouldn't hold my breath on it. Yeah, I also say, you know, we talk about the ADs and, and their decision. I think a lot of it is on the ADs, but, you know, the ADs have a boss, too. And, and, and their bosses are the VP of finance, who are, they're the ones that are looking at the dollars and cents and what makes sense. Uh, so I think that's the other part of it, too. I think the ADs, just my opinion, they want to help their coaches out because they look good as an athletic director. You know, no one wants to see their basketball team 0-13 going into conference. But when your VP of finance is telling you, look, this is what basketball spends. How are we going to make this money up? And, you know, Texas Southern's a program, for example, that's pretty much self-sufficient when it comes to those guarantee games. That's why they're playing the Gonzagas of the world and the UCLA's of the world. They're bringing in tons of money. You know, you know Johnny Jones and that staff making pretty good coin. So that has to be paid for somehow. So you, you get that part of it. But I think – Granger, the AD, he's played basketball at Texas Southern. He knows. I think he, he he wants his team to look good. And they look, they played well during the regular season, the tournament, and even the first round, you know, NCAA and the playing in the uh, tournament. But also it has to be paid for as well. So I think there's a balance there. The ADs want their coaches to be successful. But then when the VP of finance is looking at the dollars and cents and saying, look, you got to bring in $600,000 you know, you got to do that by playing the Gonzagas and the Michigan States and the Dukes of the world. Yeah, you can sprinkle in the two lanes. You can sprinkle in the, the quality mid-major games. But you're probably going to get, you know, you're probably going to get those where you're not going to get a guarantee. You may get a lesser of or a home and home, which that's not what you're really looking for. You're, you're looking to get a check. You know, we got a check for playing Minnesota. You know, that's a pretty good check. You know, we got a check for playing Gonzaga. We got a check for playing Houston, pretty big, probably six figures for those games, close to $90,000, $100,000 guaranteed for those type of games, Houston, Gonzaga, Baylor, those schools can afford to give you that. 
But I think that's the other thing. I think the VPs of finance have a, probably as much of a say in that formula as much as the ADs do. Now, I'll ask the question again. If that money, well, well first of all, AD, who's listening, appreciate it, colleague here on the Black College Sports Network, he says, number one objective should be to win the conference, then make money, then help conference rating. We should be playing more mid-majors. And I agree with that part, more mid-majors. Now, the money... Those guarantees that you mentioned with Alcorn State. If 80% of that money is put back into basketball, that'd be one thing. But somehow I suspect that it goes in the general fund. And then after that, it's, you know, it doesn't, that 80% of that guarantee doesn't make it to the basketball program. I'm sure it goes into the general fund and it's used accordingly to needs. But I, I I would like to see if you're going to play those games, and I'm still not in favor of playing eight or nine of them, ten of them, or you on the road for the whole non-conference. My goodness, that sucks. But earmark whatever percentage for that program. Is that unfair to say, suggest earmark majority of that for, for that basketball program? Because that's the basketball program is out on all these road games, getting those guarantee games. It should be reinvested back to the basketball program, Charles. Just my own opinion. Yeah, it, it, I mean, everybody, every school is different. I can say at all corn, the for athletics, uh, the amount of money that's, that's supported for athletics is coming from the general fund, which is also pays the teachers, the deans. So that's academic money paying for athletics. So if you put money, if you take money from that pot to put in athletics, it has to be made up somehow, some way. And so that's where the football games come in and these guarantee games. In other words, athletics has their money up front. Now they've got to find a way to, to replenish what was given to them. I think that's kind of what a lot of schools are doing. A lot of schools have been doing it that way. Um, and Texas Southern, because they're bringing in so much and they're making pretty good coin, I think they can probably shave a lot of it off and, and, and use it for their for their needs with the basketball program. But I, my guess is the way Alcorn is doing it is the way that a lot of schools are doing it. They may not be talking about it like we're talking about it, but the money has to come from somewhere for salaries, for scholarships. That also has to be paid for as well. So you know, the scholarships are what they are. You know, you can you can wave the scholarship to the student athlete, as it's been explained to me, but you can't wave it, you know, you can wave it for the student athlete, but you can't wave it to the university. They still have to collect on that scholarship. You know, LSU pays $6 million in football scholarships from their foundation to get their kids in school. You know, we don't talk about it that much here, but that's just kind of, I mean, that's a much bigger, bigger picture. But it's the same concept. That has to be paid for somehow. So when the money spent here has to be made up, made back on the other end. So I, I understand that point of it, Carlos, but when you're using academic money to pay for athletics, it has to come back. Now, if you have athletic money to pay for athletics, it may come back, it may not. So I think that's kind of the difference there. 
Well, Dwight is weighing in, saying athletic departments have to make money to support all of its programs. They can schedule games that are best to develop their program by identifying other ways to generate multiple million dollars outside of games. That's part of the makeup that needs to be part of today's ADs. So an AD, basically, if like Alcorn is looking for one, right? They, they haven't hired an AD? Wouldn't it be to Alcorn's advantage and all ADs that when you hire an AD that they have a business and marketing background and then under that have a good staff who can basically handle the day-by-day operation, chief operating officer, and then that AD along with the president. I mean, we should talk about this. Mr. Humphreys at FAMU, all of them, those two, they don't see the campus that much because they're out soliciting, trying to raise funds both for academics and athletes. They go hand in hand. Just my personal opinion. I, I understand what you said. I understand what the listeners are saying. But back to basketball, my goodness. That's, that's just a lot. That's a lot of pressure to have them to go out on the road and play all of those those money games. I would just like to curb them. Instead of playing 10 or 12 of them, how about four? But yeah, I, I guess there'll be I guess those on the other side will say, well, that's gonna cut into the athletic budget if they're not allowed to go out and make those extra money. Thus then you gotta come up with creative ways to 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 make that up. I mean, because I've, I've stated before, if I'm just taking off that, I'm, I, I host the Carlos Brown show. If I'm just a, a fan or alumni or supporter, I, I'm just not excited. If I'm coming, it's the conference opener against Texas Southern. And by the way, we still got COVID and all that going on. But even before this, it, it was pre-COVID. I'm not excited about a team that's, Two and twelve. And I mean and, and and they're getting blown out by 20, 30, 40 points. Charles, I, I listened to what was it, Bell and Alcorn? A little bit. I mean, I, I I understand that you're playing up, although they're division one in basketball, but that's just tough. But I also know that you gotta win the conference. And so you, you gotta have amnesia in a way to forget about those non-conference games but boy it, it, it's tough and, and it is tough it, it absolutely is tough and I this think is reality you know, it is reality and I think also when it comes to coaches my guess again I'm not an AD I don't know this but I'm, I'm guessing if I'm an AD in this conference and I'm judging my basketball coach in his performance it's going to start in January because I, I understand and I'm putting him in a very tough situation to have him go out and play all these games and their record being what it is in non-conference. But they turn around and go 15-3 and three in the SWAC and win the regular season and win the tournament. You go to the NCAA tournament, then it's all good again. I mean, because I think our fans, our fans don't pick up SWAC basketball until SWAC season starts, which is Monday. 
There's, a, there's talk on social media about, you know, what we did or didn't do. Nice wins by Texas Southern. Nice wins by Southern. You know, we beat Milwaukee. That got some play. So that, that generates a little bit of a buzz for the moment. But the real action, and I hate to say it, but this is just reality. If we're going to have a conversation, let's have it. The real action starts Monday night. And that's well, where coaches are earning money, starting Monday night. You know, if, well, if you go 3-15 in the conference – going to be tough that even though you did what you were told to do and bring in $700,000 in guaranteed money from November through December, you go three and 15 in the conference, you're behind the eight ball. And it's unfortunate. It's, it's unfortunate. That's, that's about the best way I can come up with. It's unfortunate, but I think our fans understand it and they're going to rally and support whatever team wins the SWAC tournament and go to the NCAA tournament and, and, and we go from there. But I, I do think, you know, playing the mid-major teams is great. Playing the Stephen F's, the Tulane's, the Southeastern Louisiana's of the world. They're great. Excellent. You know, you got Tennessee State um, and others. But again, how much money you're getting from that, from those type of games. Tulane will give you a decent guarantee. But Tulane's not going to give you what Baylor's going to give you. If Baylor's going to pay you $100,000 and pay for travel, you're going to take that because there's no money coming out of your budget for that. You know, uh, Tulane, they'll pay, they'll give you a smaller guarantee, but you got to pay more into it in your transportation costs and other costs. So that's the other decision you have to make. And Tulane's just three hours from Alcorn's campus. So you can absorb that because it's just, it's just a short trip. So these are decisions that, that are being looked at. I can guarantee you that. But when your boss, your AD says, this is the figure, 650, 650,000. I don't care who you play. You can play Duke, North Carolina, Gonzaga, Baylor, Houston. You play those five games, that's close to $650,000 in guarantee. You can play those five teams and cover your whole, you know, cover the goal that you've been given. But do coaches want to do that? No. I think they'll play two or three, but then they'll play the Eastern Kentuckys, the Western Kentuckys of the world. And try to get a couple of home games, a home at home if you can, because I think that's important too. You want to play at home. You also want to taste victory. And uh, we played down. We played down. And that's been successful because coaches want to just at least have their team taste the victory. Let's see what a victory feels like. And then you can springboard from there. So I've seen all kinds of different ways, Carlos. And uh, I don't know if it's going to change, especially when. We're all kind of thinking differently. And until we get together as a conference and say, look, we got to play just a handful of these games to help our RPI and to avoid the playing, I don't see it changing. I, I just don't. I mean, I, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I love this conference. I want to see it at the best that it could be. But in basketball, I don't see that changing, especially with the amount of money these teams are paying for guarantees these days. Let's look at it this way. We've had the discussion about football and on social media, privately. What was the question? Don't you want to be better than just swack wins? You remember that discussion as far as football and then at least yeah. playing against, you know, FCS. Some of our alumni and, and followers, they see no value in playing the Southeastern or those, those schools. But I, so I'll ask the question. 
don't you want to win outside of the conference and consistently win? And to do that, then, yeah, maybe you're going to have to compromise. Again, meet halfway. Not saying get rid of all of those guaranteed games, but let's cut them back some. Because, uh, again, and, and Coach Pettaway is coming up in, in a few minutes. He, I'll ask him. He's talked about it. He, you got to be on the same level, both academically and athletics. You know, AD, you mentioned about they have bosses. So why not sit down and say, look, at each institution, let's put some balance to this. Let's compromise and not play 12, 13 games on the road. What does that do for the student athletes? And then again, I ask the question, don't you want to win consistently outside the conference? That's not going to really happen. Every now and then you're going to be the power five school. But mid-majors, you can have some success. I remember when Coach Banks was the basketball coach at Southern University, and it was an article, up-and-coming mid-majors. They mentioned Southern University. Now, of course, you got Coach Woods. And by the way, I'm going to have him on next next Saturday uh, to, to talk about the Southern University men's basketball program. But we, 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 we meaning follow supporters of the conference, we got to get that that conference rating up. We've we got to. And you know what has to be done. It's just a matter of doing it. Now, will ADs and vice presidents, chancellors, presidents, will they be willing to give up some of those guaranteed games? Probably not. Not as of this moment. But is that something you got to consider? And do you want to be you want to win outside the conference, or is it just winning conference games? That's most important to get to the big dance. I, I think you can do both. I think you can do both. Yeah, you can. Um, I, there's no doubt that you can. It's like, what are you willing to give up to get what you to get what you want? Because clearly, to have it all, that means you have to give up a whole lot to get all of that. So, just in the sense of basketball. All right, so you've got three or four, some teams, five assistant coaches that have to be paid for, right? You always talk about the assistant coaches, Carlos, right? You always want to take care of the assistant coaches. Texas Southern probably, and I'm using them because they, they have a pretty deep bench. Those spots have to be paid for, and they're well paid. So how are you going to pay for that? Well, if you go out and, and play the Gonzagas and the Michigan States, that's going to help you pay for that. You know, Johnny Jones makes a pretty good coin. You got to pay for that. Uh, so for, I think Texas Southern is just a different example. But if you look at other schools in the conference, yeah, if you want if you want to bring in less, that's fine. But that means that you probably don't have to do with less. That means maybe one less coach. That may be a couple of less scholarships. But yet, you still have to win. So where's that balance? Is that balance or that out of balance? So in order to get something, you got to give up something. So what are you willing to give up to get what you want? Because it, it don't always equate. So I think that's that's the other thing too. I mean, some some give up, some give up, give up about four or five of those guarantee games. Okay, so you're so that's about four hundred thousand dollars that you're willing to give up. So if if you're looking at 
elevating your program with a deep bench with a bunch of assistants, video assistant, and others. If you want to give that up, that's fine. If you want to give up that 400000 but that means that you might have to give up a coach. That means you might have to give up some other stuff. I mean, it's just, I think that's kind of where, where that is when it comes to basketball. Because we're not packing our arenas in conference, Carlos. First of all, we don't have but about nine games to begin with. Some schools don't have any uh, home games until conference. We're not getting the non-conference games at home. That helps a little bit. Uh, you know, but even the non-conference games, we're not drawing that well. I mean, I hate to say this. It's painful because I love this conference, but it's just reality. You know, we'll pack the rival games. Prairie Texas Southern is going to be packed. All Corn Jackson's going to probably be packed. Bayou Bethune's going to be packed. But outside of that, you know, where, where do you make your money at home? That helps as well. And I think that's why Coach Sanders, going back to football, saying we don't need to play ULM. We just had three games over 50,000 at Veterans Memorial Stadium. How much money did they just make off those three home games alone? If you continue to do that, I get his point. So let's carry that to basketball. So if we do the same thing in basketball that Jackson State did in football, then you're right. You don't have to play the Gonzagas of the world. You can play the Middle Tennessee States of the world and get a home and home. But that's not happening right now. It hasn't happened. And do I hope? Am I hopeful? Yeah. But am I a realist? Yeah. Is it going to happen? No. So I think that's that's the juggling act. That's the balance that you have to look at when you're an AD, you're a VP of finance, because there's a cost associated with a basketball program. And it's a pretty good cost as well. Well, I know one thing. We've tried what we're doing now, and it just hasn't worked for, what, 10, 10 years? And attendance i think will be correlated with how many wins if if you win some of those mid-major games that you play i think it'll be more enthusiasm for fans because ultimately that's attendance will help but nah it's you're not gonna have a big crowd out southern host texas southern monday and then prairie view Two teams that have done well, right? Rich history in basketball. And we're going to look at the rankings, the preseason rankings. Now, Southern should have one of their better crowds because, well, they haven't been at home that much. But I think you'll get more fans because they're six and seven and not one and 12. So that there's a correlation between wins and, and, and attendance. And once again, and we'll end it on this part, but we'll pick it back up with Coach Fenway. Yeah. I, 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 it's just my humble opinion. I, you, you've got to balance this situation. And if you're going to play that many games, there's no incentives for a fan to come out except for conference, which the attendance hasn't been good over the years, per se, throughout the conference with the conference games. But you're putting yourself behind the eight ball when you play that many guarantee games. Let's have some balance with the situation. Let's tighten up the budgets. Can you believe that? That sounds like a concern. <laughs> cut, cut, cut what we need to, tighten the belt up, 
and let's go out and schedule more of those mid-major games and then have some success. And then we'll come back and see if attendance ticks up somewhat, it drops, stays the same. How about that, Charles? I mean, I, I, that sounds great. That sounds great. But if I'm a basketball coach and I'm making a pretty good coin for being a basketball coach, then there's pressure on me to perform as a basketball coach to continue to make that big money to support my family. So I, all I want is give me the tools. I'm not going to ask for a Kentucky-type staff with 13 coaches, but if, if I, I need four, can I get four? And I think four, and I can justify every one of those coaches and their duties. They're going to earn their they're going to earn their keep every day, every month. Uh, you know, director of basketball operations and all that other stuff. Just give me an opportunity to do what I can do. And if I don't make it, if I don't survive, you know, coaches get hired to get fired. It's just that's just the nature of the business. But give me the tools to work with. And if I don't make it, then hey. That's just the nature of the business. And I think that's where coaches coaches have to kind of push a little bit, but they know there's only so much that they're going to get. But what are the expectations? The expectations start in conference. Number one, you're expected to bring in X amount of dollars from November to January. And then in conference, you're expected to whatever that is, top four, top six, whatever it is, win the whole thing. You know, for Texas Southern, it's all about winning the whole thing. Anything else will not do at Texas Southern. Ask Kevin Granger, ask Mike Davis, ask Johnny Jones. It's all about winning the whole shebang at Texas Southern. Other schools as well, but when you look at TSU and what they've got, the amount of money that he's making, the amount of money their coaches are making, it's big time over there. And so they expect to play big time and win big time, especially in conference. And if they can pick off a couple of mid-majors, I think that'll get you know the TSU Tiger Nation excited as well. Outside the conference, that should be the goal. Winning conference is a no-brainer. You got to win that. We'll take our first time out of today's show, the first of 2022. Happy New Year. When I come back, we'll add uh, Coach Van Petaway. He's the Coles Brown Show's basketball analyst. We'll look at Monday's games and Wednesday's games. We'll talk about what we've just talked about, get his perspective on should swag baseball, swag baseball, swag basketball be based just on winning the conference. That's a no brainer. But should we expect more? And how do we do that? You're watching the Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. We shall return. Follow the Black College Sports Network. On social media, at MyBCSN1, the number one. On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at MyBCSN1. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to MyJBN.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist 
My colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. We are back. For the first time in 62 years, the Florida Memorial Lions will hit the gridiron, and their home games will be streamed by the Black College Sports Network at www.fmuathletics.com, www.mybcsn.net, and on the MyBCSN app, available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dash as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed.
Welcome back to this week's edition of the Coles Brown Show, right here on the Black College Sports Network. I'm Coles Brown, joined by Charles Edmond of the Alcorn State Radio Network, and now Coach Van Petaway for another year. And it was a tough negotiation, but Coach Petaway, the Coles Brown Show's basketball analyst. Coach, good morning to you and happy new year. Good morning, Carlos. Happy new year to you guys. Uh, I'm I'm excited and looking forward to the start of the season. Yeah, well, as Charles Edmonds said, the conference season is about to start, and we'll, we'll get your thoughts on some of the games coming up uh, Monday and Wednesday. But, Coach, you know, tra- new travel partners like Southern and now Graham right. State, Alcorn and Jackson State, some things are just a little bit different. And then, of course, you're adding – Fam, you and Bethune Cookman now, as far as their first uh, season in, in playing basketball in the conference. So uh, we've, we're going to talk about that, but let's just go right to what we've talked about the whole hour. And I hope the fans are saying, oh, no, no more of that. But we were talking about just looking at the, the, the records as far as men's and women before conference play starts. Pine Bluff. On the women's side, four and six, that's the best record. On the men's side, Southern University, six and seven. Non-conference. How important is it to establish winning some of those non-conference games? And, and do we, as a conference, the institutions, do we put too much emphasis on the guarantee games? Yes, I, I think a lot of the institutions put too much into the guarantee games. They <clears throat> they try to make basketball the breadwinner, and I think that's wrong on a lot of levels because the biggest thing is I, I think you're not being fair to your student-athletes. See, those those young ladies and young men need to compete against programs that are their own size uh, because on the mental side of it, you got to win. If, if you go through your entire – you got very few teams that can rebound <clears throat> from having – no wins during the non-conference schedule and then turn around and win during the conference schedule. There, you know, when you look back on the records, there are some teams that are veteran teams that can pull that off. But if you got a young team or you got a new team and you're not used to that continuity is not there because you have, those kids have not experienced winning, then I think you're going to have a problem. And so to me, it, it was always uh, when I put the schedule together, I tried to make sure that we had a couple of home games in there, or if I played a a game on the road, it was a, against a team that was similar to us, where we had an, a chance of winning at their place. But when you go to some of these places for these guarantee games, you guarantee to just walk out of there with the check and that's it. And a lot of times you get your kids demoralized. You got to have something positive for those kids to look forward to or to experience in order for them to have a, a good season. I'm a firm believer in that. When you were at Alabama A&M, how important was it to sit down with the director of athletics and then his boss, which I guess would be the president, how involved are they? How involved were they with putting the schedule together? I know, you know, the budget and all of that, but how, how, how involved, were they as far as putting the schedule and, well, or, or, and did they demand that you bring in X amount of dollars? Right. They, they gave me a sum. They gave us a dollar amount that I agreed to that I could deal with. 
uh, because back during that time, it wasn't a very big amount. You know, they, when they only asked you to bring in uh, 150 to 200,000, you can get that in a couple of games. But I had it in my contract that I controlled my schedule. So our athletic director, he could make suggestions, but I had the final say-so on it. And I had some good ADs. They did not, they did not overstep. They allowed me to schedule the way I needed to schedule. So uh, the only time that I really went above board is when uh, we decided to uh, redo Elmore, put the new seats in. I think we played over like eight or nine guarantee games that year because the, that president allowed us to use the money for that specific purpose. So he told me not to worry about my record as long as I was bringing money in like that to help the university. And when we did redid the uh, Elmore, all that money that we want, that we got that year, it went toward that project. So when you, when you have a president or an administration and you're on the same page, then you can get things done. But unfortunately for that president, he didn't last but another year after that. But we did get the work done, which was, very, which was uh, needed a long time ago. So I, I think there has to be a collaboration between the administration and the basketball staff or all athletic staff in order to use some of that money to enhance your program. I'm not saying take it all, but you got to have some going back in the program to help maintain the program or either move it to the next level. Hmm. Sounds like general fun, if not, <laughs> but reinvest back into that program. Right. Hmm. Charles, I'm sure you're chomping at the bit. Ask Coach Pettaway a question. No, I mean, what he's saying is kind of what we talked about last hour, but it's just maybe a different way. Okay, so well, the, the money that they got for the guarantees went to improve the Elmore Gym. But for other programs, it could be to bolster their staff. Like, you know, yeah, like I said, there's some SWAC programs that have five or six assistant coaches. Uh, some SWAC programs have, you know, renovated offices that, that they're improving. That money's got to come from somewhere. So I think it's just different. We're saying the same thing, I think, but it's just different, different way of spending the money. So I think what Coach Penaway said is, 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 right on, is right on point. You want to in, invest in the program, but then at the same time, if there's no pressure for him to win like he talked about, then you're just getting a bunch of checks to pay for that project. So that, that's the other part of it, too, that – and I think back during those times, the pressure might not have been as great, but these coaches are making a lot more money now than they were when Coach Petaway was coaching. Yep. A lot more. I mean, $150,000, you know, in guarantee money, that's, that's a Baylor in a Middle Tennessee state. I mean, yep. you, you, I think every coach in the league would love that if that's all right. they had to bring in. That's, that's one and a half – that's – yeah, that's a – a mid-major and a major, and that's it. That's all you got to bring in. Right. That's not the case now. Salaries have gone up. You have more assistant coaches on the sideline. Their salaries have to be paid for. So I get, you know, I get what Coach Petaway is saying, but I think it's a different time because coaches are under pressure to win, like we talked about in the last hour. Give me just some of the tools I need to win, and if I don't, then, hey, I'll move on, or the university is going to move on from me. But Give me the basic tools. I need four assistant coaches. I think four is a basic borderline number. I think some schools don't even have that in this, in this league, four. Some might have only three. Some might only have two. 
but just give me some basic tools. And if I don't win, hey, so be it. But I just need something to help me do the best that I can to win. And I think that's that's kind of where this battle comes in a little bit between the coach and the administration, because you do want to win. Because if you don't win, you're not going to be around. It's just that's just the way it works. Right. And, and Charles, uh, to piggyback on that, if my salary was tied into me playing guarantee game, I'd be playing a bunch of guarantee games every year. <laughs> but see, it's not. <laughs> so, so, and, and, and you know what? I'm serious. And the MEAC started that years ago. Years ago in the MEAC, that's the reason why those coaches' salaries were so high because the, the administrations in the MEAC, they were you, they were putting that incentive in their contract. You can get more you, – your payment will be more if you're bringing in more money. So they use uh, guaranteed money to help subsidize salaries. We've never done that. Okay, it, during my tenure at Alabama a and I never had a full staff. I never had all my scholarships. But I was still expected to win. I was still expected to go out and play guarantee games. And, and that minimum of $150,000, that's where I started. Now, when I left a and they moved it up. It was up over $300,000 that I had to bring in. So uh, Charles is right. At $150,000, I made that with ease. It, it was easy to make that. That's why I always played two or three home games because I didn't have to spend all that time on the road for guarantee games because w- what they asked for at the time was a minimal amount, and I was able to get that in a couple of, with a couple of games. But as they raised that, that, the uh, amount of money that we had to bring in, now you got to play more games. You got to play bigger games. That takes you away from those mid-major games. Now you got to play more power five teams to get that. And then it, it, back then, we as coaches in the SWAC, we knew what conferences not to mess with. Like Conference USA, that was one of the lowest-paying conferences out there. So you, would, you wouldn't pick them first. That, that would come in on the tail end. But if you go to the Big Ten, if you go to the ACC, SEC, you knew you were going to get a pretty, pretty good payday. But some of the, the, the other conferences, Conference USA office had to get involved to help their RPI to get more home games. They started putting money out there so that their institutions could pay more, uh, more bigger game guarantees. So, it, you know, it, it, it was a lot involved in putting together a schedule, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. And, you know, my president and I, we had the understanding that I didn't have to worry about my record. But, see, the alumni didn't know that. They didn't know that. Well, they still expected me to win. And, you know, Coach Petaway, as I listen, I said earlier, and, and I think you agree with this, you got to give up something to get something. But as as a conference, again, you playing those minute guarantee games, well, the coach should have another hashtag on side of his name. Basketball coach slash AD. Right. Fundraiser. <laughs> Fundraiser. Why? It shouldn't all be on the basketball coach. You know, uh, if you're going to have four or five, I said four or five. Now I'm thinking about maybe three. Guarantee games. But this won't get paid for. That won't get paid for. So you, 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 What's going to be your decision? Do you want to balance it out or you're just going to say, hey, the record coming in at the conference 
it's not going to be good, but I'm going to be judged on winning conference games. But when does it go to the point, don't you want to be just better than just winning conference games? Right. You always do it. Every coach starts out the season. They want to win those non-conference games too. But a lot of times we're put behind the eight ball because we're playing at places where they're not going to give you that check and let you win the game. You, that, that's not going to happen. When you look at it, our non-conference schedules, you have, you know, both on the men and women's side, you got all these uh, lopsided losses because they're not, they don't care. You showed up on their schedule, they're going to put it to you. And, and that's why coaches have to be real, have to, have to make sure that they're scheduling the right people so that you do not get into your kid's head because once you get that losing in their head, it's hard to get it out of it. And we're going to see that. You'll see that. Like this year, for the first time on the men's side, I don't know the last time Prairie View didn't win a non-conference game. So, see, for them to come to start their season out with no wins, unless he's got a bunch of veterans on that team, it's going to be rough for them to pull it out. And look at this. They're starting on the road this year. You know, they got the Louisiana, the, the Louisiana swing. That never changes. I, I, that's another thing I'll talk about in future shows. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and you gotta and you gotta add COVID to it now. I mean, just right. what we talked about yep. in the last hour. You got three or four teams that hadn't played in almost two weeks because of cancellations, COVID cases within within their program or the or the other team's program. You know, you had Texas Southern had the last two games canceled. Bethune has had the last uh, their last game canceled. Fayette's had the last two games canceled. Jackson State's had the last two games canceled. Our last game with Minnesota was canceled. It was on, it was on our end, but still, you want to play at least a few days before conference to keep the continuity. Right. You don't want to go two weeks, almost three weeks without playing. So I, I, I'm kind of concerned in terms of what type of play we're going to see at conference for the first couple of weeks of the season because teams are rusty. Teams are out of rhythm, out of sync because they're used to playing every three or four days. Some hadn't played for 14 days. So I think that's something you got to keep. I'm sure Coach Petaway knows this. You got to keep, you right. got to keep the continuity going. And with COVID, COVID continuity don't add up. And I think yeah. that's what we're looking at right now. Yeah, yeah. The two seeds are going against are going against each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and guys, uh, Pine Bluff, four and six. They got an outstanding. Uh, player on the women's side that's a you know a, a, a young lady that normally will go to one of those top tier division one schools um you look at FAMU I'm just kind of looking at the overall on the women's side zero and 11 they own 11 game losing streak uh Southern two and nine but but when we look if we go back and see how they picked um the basketball predicted order finish Jackson State one, Alabama State two, Southern three, Alabama and them four. And if you look at the non-conference record, Jackson State two and six, um, Alabama State two and eight. You you get you get the drift. So they're coming in, add COVID in. Now they've got to hit the ground running in conference play. And Coach Petaway and Charles, remember last year Alabama State because of COVID. They didn't play uh, a non-conference schedule. Yes, right. And, and the women came out and, and did very well. How, Coach Petaway and Charles, how, how do you see with all of these other X factors, and we kind of saw the predicted order finish, 
how important is it to get off to a good start and conference play Monday? I think it's very important because you don't know what the future is going to hold. So you don't know how many of the games you're going to, because of COVID, you're not going to be able to play. So this, this opening weekend where everybody's healthy, when I say health, I'm talking about free of the virus, you, you need to win because you don't know what's going to happen down the road. Uh, because the way our schedule is, there's not going to be much room to make up games because of us, the way we play uh, um, Saturday, Mondays. There's not going to be very much room for, for our teams to make up games. So the games that are on the schedule, you want to be able to, you want to try to be able to play, play them as their schedule because the future is not promised with this COVID out there. Jones, Alabama State at Mississippi Valley State. That's Monday, January 3rd. Family and Bethune Cookman, rivals. They kick Rival. it off on, on the women's side. Alabama saw Pine Bluff. That's going to be interesting, women's that, and men's yeah, On the women's side, that, now you're going to see what Pine Bluff is made of because I think Alabama and them, they have a pretty good team. She was missing some players, and I think she's gotten them back now. So we'll be able to find out this weekend whether or not Pine Bluff is for real. Charles, yeah. Alcorn State and Jackson State, uh, both women and men, Prairie View and Grandma State and Texas Southern at, at Southern. So, Charles, on the women's side, Alcorn goes up against the, the preseason number one team. That's right. And, and so, you know, by us not playing the last game against Texas, actually the last two games that were canceled, uh, UNO at home, and that was a rare home game. We only had three home games, but they were quality home games, Southeast Louisiana, UNO. Um, and those are teams that we could probably beat at home to give, and like Coach Petaway said, a little bit of confidence because you do want a taste of victory. I mean, I don't right. get why we do play down when we get these home games because you do want to feel like what it what it is to win a game. You don't want to go 0-13 in conference. I get it. And so, you know, that's another conversation, but you do want to taste victory. But we do open up against Jackson State on Monday, and uh, Jackson State, I believe, has not played in – in, in a while, I think they they loaded their schedule up with some tough games, but then they backed off later in December so they can get themselves ready for conference. So I think that you know that's another way of looking at it. And you know, let's see let's see if they, with Amisha Williams and company, let's see if it works out for them. And then Carlos, you talk about a quality schedule. I think Don Brown's team, you know, they won the USM tournament early in non-conference. I thought that was a big, big boost for them yep. in terms of confidence and morale. And I, I followed them throughout non-conference. I thought they played pretty well, lost some tough games, but hung in there. So I think if you can win a tournament like that, play tough against some decent competition, I think you still, the coach, Coach Pettaway, would feel good about where your team is going into conference. Right, right. They, they got to taste that victory. They, they got to know what it feels like. I, I, I think that's very important, and I've always believed in that. Yeah. Well, are, are you guys ready to – we saw what the SWAC predicted out of a, fin, a finish on the women's side. Should we be very aware of University of Arkansas Pine Bluff? Either one of you guys ready to move them up <laughs> in, in the in the season <laughs> rankings? Yeah, I, I think they've already shown that – that, uh, that they they're going to be a team to be reckoned with now, yeah. They 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 have certainly had some uh, some quality wins in the, in the non conference schedule. 
that that's why I say tonight. Uh, I'm sorry, not tonight. Uh, when they play the the first, when they play against Alabama and them, that'll be a good litmus test for them. You know, we yeah, often talk about winning the games at home and then, you split. know, kind of kind of split on, on the road. You think that will hold true again this season, in spite of COVID? Well, you better be trying to win. You better be trying to sweep on the road now because the future is not promised. <clears throat> so you got to go out to every game. If, if, if that game is scheduled and you can play it, you got to win it because you don't know what's going to happen in the next week or the next two weeks. Yeah, and, and, and what Coach Petaway said about trying to get these games in, I mean, remember now, our game's on Saturday and Mondays. Right. So if you've got games and with the COVID protocols, you got to have at least one head coach and seven players. Um, if if both teams don't have that, then you've got to find a way to get the game scheduled through the SWAC office. So you if you know, so you've got to figure out, you know, you're gonna play a game on a Wednesday. You know, our game with Jackson State, there's some discussion about that because Jackson State's men were in quarantine because they didn't play their last non-conference game the other day. We didn't play Minnesota. We're supposed to play them on Monday. So we don't know how that's gonna go. Right now the game is on, but you know, things have changed so quickly. So it, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge, especially with, with this variant. It was predicted. It was expected that these things were going to happen. And the conference trying to get ahead of it as best as they can. I think they did a real good job in laying the parameters out in terms of what needs to happen. And I think it's up to us, me, coaches, ADs, to do their best to keep everybody safe. So these games can be played, Carlos, because, it, because if they're not, we talked about in the last hour, money and revenue. That's revenue that's gone out the window if the games don't yep. get played. So I think that, you know, this is the second year we're dealing with this. It looks like we're at the same point as we were 12 months ago. And so I think we know what to do. We know we can what we need to do to make this happen. So let's see if we can make it happen. We'll we'll see Monday how many of these games get get played. Yeah, and I think it, when, when, when you look around the country, when you see at the major conferences the number of games that have been canceled or postponed because of the virus, now those programs, uh, theoretically, they have, they've got more resources to use for COVID. And if their players are still coming up with it, you know that it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect the SWAC. So that, that's why a game that's scheduled is so important now to win it because you don't know when you're going to get to the next one. And it may not be because of you. It could be because of your opponent. Uh, and, then, and then another thing quickly, Carlos, Houston, Final Four team last year uh, in the American Conference. The other day they were scheduled to play Cincinnati. They had cases in their program. The game has been forfeit to Cincinnati. And so you're talking about a Final Four team that yeah. lost to Alabama that already has got a forfeiture on their schedule. Just think the mindset of, of a program like that in terms of losing games already and then losing a game due to COVID. How tough is that? you know, just for the psyche of the coaches and players in that program. I'm sure it's tough. And uh, let's hope it doesn't happen that much in our conference. But I think if it does, it, it, it's going to mess with your head a little bit. No no question about it. Yeah, thus, the times we are in, we're living in COVID-19. Uh, now it's almost like, guys, when it first started, you're almost number-wise back to the beginning point. And in some cases, it's probably worse. But it's going to be an interesting situation this this whole conference season. Um, last but not least, Coach Petaway, 
on the men's side, and, and we look at, as you stated, Prairie View, no wins. Mississippi Valley State, no wins. Alcorn, one win. Alabama State, Grambling State, three and 10. Everybody else basically with two wins and Southern six and seven. But I guess that doesn't mean a hill of beans if you don't get off to a good start and conference play. And Southern has it tough. Look, Prairie View, although no wins, Texas Southern two, still a formidable opponent, uh, opponents. Right. This is going to be a, a, a big weekend, a big week Monday and Wednesday for Southern. Southern could, by Wednesday night, Southern could have a stronghold on that first place if they can win their home games. Because I, I think they're playing the best basketball right now out of any teams in the league, even though, you know, Texas Southern went down and beat Florida. They have not been as consistent as, as uh, Southern has this year. So uh, I, I, I'm really looking forward to, to those two games. That's going to tell a lot about the conference race because if, if Southern can hold serve at home, it's going to put a lot of pressure on those other teams. And, and, and Coach Johnny Jones, a native of Louisiana, I'm sure he's going to have his team ready to play. He coached in the city when he was at LSU. This is not his first time being back, but I'm, I'm sure he's low-key, but he's going to have them ready. And then Coach Woods is the opposite. He's fiery to me. And, and, and you know, Coach Woods, I, 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 I told him the last time I talked to him, man, I'm so scared he's going to get uh, ran over by uh, the officials or the players because he, he steps out on that court. Yeah, yeah he's into <laughs> he's it. He's into the game, man. He better yep. watch himself. He He's not 22 years old anymore. Right. Well, he's got a real balanced team. He's got four people in double digits. Uh, you know, he led in scoring by Lions with 14. But, you know, to have that kind of balance, he almost has five people in double digits. So that, that means that, that they're distributing the basketball. They're spreading the wealth. So it's going to be tough for teams to just try to key in on one person because they've proven in the non-conference schedule that they all can put the ball in the ba- the ball in the basket. So it's going to be real interesting. And this this might be one of his better teams. I just hope that the COVID and, and he stays injury-free, I think we may see a good Southern team. Yeah. And Charles and, and Coach Petaway, if I'm not mistaken, last year I don't believe Southern had anybody in the starting five that averaged double figures. Now, they did. So I think they got better talent. You know, a couple of transfers in, one being from uh, Lions from North Carolina A&T. But um, seeing them against Kentucky, they Southern just has better talent. Right, right. Than last and, year. And so now the continuity and the chemistry is what they're building on. Right. And Sadler's back playing well. So, so I, I think that, that's been a big key. Like I said, I, injuries and COVID, that, to me, that's the only thing going to slow them up. It's going to be – Prairie View, Texas Southern, still going to be tough uh, opponents. Jackson State, all to me, the most physical, along with Prairie View, physical teams in the conference. Man, you're, it's like a football <laughs> – I, I want to say it, it's a it's like – it's a football mentality and the basketball game breaks out. Jackson State is just physical. I mean – Right. And then Bethune-Cookman got a chance to see them um, – I want to say North Carolina State. I saw yes. them, Coach Diaz, and then I saw Bethune-Cookman's women's basketball team against Alabama. 
got some nice size. So it, it's going to be interesting. You know, hopefully injuries and COVID, if, if you get through those two situations, it, it's, it should be an exciting race. Right. I'm looking forward to it. I, I think this is an exciting time of the year. We're coming to the close of football and the beginning of basketball conference play. I think it's, it's, uh, it's going to be great in SWAC basketball. And I look forward to seeing all the teams. I just hate that uh, I think the way the schedule has done us this time, Jackson State is coming to Huntsville on the same night that they're playing the national championship game. So that's going to be a toss-up. <laughs> well, 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 Coach Pedaway, that, that, that's a good point. I was going to ask you about that because I really got a chance to dive into our schedule the other day. And because of FAMU and Bethune coming in, there's only there's a handful of teams you're only seeing one time. Like we go to Alabama next week, but they're not coming right. to us. Uh, we go to Grambling once. I think we go to Southern once. They don't come to us. The schedule is different. The travel partners are different for some teams. Yep. How is that? I mean, does that make any difference at all, or just it just is who's who's on your schedule? And you just you just go with it. Well, it it, it will make a difference because when you're playing a team twice, you can always say. I got a good chance to get you because you're coming to my place and you got to come back to my place. But in this case, some of those teams won't see each other to the following year at their home. So it, it, it's a little bit different, but you just got to play. You got to play the schedule the way it is. You, you, you got to beat them at your place so that uh, they'll have something on their mind when you got to go to theirs. So you, you, you got to play your best. And Alcorn opens up Carlos with the first three games on the road: Jackson State, then I'll be in Huntsville next week, A uh, and M next Saturday, and Bama State. You know, I think can swing either way. Braves come out strong with the first three road games and come home for our first home game of the season in a couple of weeks. I mean, the Braves could be off and running, and that that's going to change the trajectory of the conference. Right. Well, if they can get two out of the three, that would be great. Don't don't go zero and three in those first three games. Even if it's one, you still because it's early. But two and one would be outstanding to start off three on the road. Charles, you'll be in Baton Rouge a lot. Football next year. Allcorn comes back. Uh, talked to some Allcorn Knights, and they were not happy about that. But uh, I told them that Charles can explain it to you why, why Allcorn <laughs> has to come back to Southern. Uh, <laughs> so we'll explain that another time. Yeah. Coach Petaway, we appreciate the time, man. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. Okay, Carlos, I look forward to it. Uh, you guys stay safe and God bless. Sir, will do. That was Coach Van Petaway here on the Coles Brown Show. We're going to take a mouth. When we come back, visit with Brandon B.J. Jones of Inside HBCU Football Wrap-Up. Uh, black college football season. And I've got to get in, Charles, at least talk a little bit about Coach Dooley and assistance and seven signees. Or oh, was it nine? Nine. We'll talk about that. We'll incorporate that with BJ. You're watching the Carlos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. We'll be right back. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard. 
as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support. MyJBN.com backslash support for more information. Majesty is a premium health and wellness tea line focused on bringing delicious yet healthy tea blends to the community. Filled with an abundance of vitamins and antioxidants, we work to blend teas with exotic spices and fruits to produce scrumptious and wholesome beverages. So check us out at MyMajesties.com. That's M-Y-M-A-J-E-S-T-E-A-S dot com. My Majesties, an Urban Passport member. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. week's edition of Coles Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Makes you uh, think about football season all over again, 2022. We all won by the human jukebox. 
Uh, I want to make sure I want to give a shout out to the folks in the chat rooms on YouTube and Facebook. Some great conversations. Like and share those pages to keep growing. The Carlos Brown Show and the Black College Sports Network. Inside HBCU football, BJ Jones joined me. Happy New Year, BJ, and good afternoon. I didn't say more for once. (laughs) BJ, you did Good afternoon. You didn't party too much, huh, last night? Oh, man, I ain't doing no partying, man. You got corona going on, man. I'm not <laughs> leaving the house. <laughs> I understand. I had to ask. Even in the house, you have to, you know, that's your safest bet. I know, see, like, veterans like me and Charles, our partying days were done 20 years ago. Mine never got <laughs> off the ground. I tell you what, I I could tell you a lot of stories, but uh, <laughs> hey, with age comes maturity or maturity. So you got to be balanced, whatever you do. And speaking of balance, BJ, last time we had a show was December 18th, mm-hmm. Celebration Bowl. We talked to you as right before kickoff. Get your thoughts on uh, South Carolina State taking a, what, 31 to 10 victory over Jackson State. Hey, man, South Carolina State, they, they came, they had a point to prove. They, and you talk to the, the, the players in South Carolina State, they said that they, they were tired of being disrespected. They were disrespected the whole week. Um, Kobe Durant said, hey, you know, me and, my, you know, me and him, a couple of teammates went to the mall, and uh, someone in the mall said, who is South Carolina State? Oh, y'all are that team that Jackson State is playing. Uh, uh, really? It, it was, yeah, so it was almost like, you know, the Celebration Bowl was supposed to be this big coronation of Jackson State, and South Carolina State was just simply there because Jackson State couldn't play themselves. You know, they had to play somebody else, and they, they, and they just so happened to be South Carolina State. And, and Durant and the guys had really talked about Buddy Pugh. Say, hey, our coach is the winningest coach uh, in, in MEAC history. Uh, he's the winning active, active coach in HBCU football. He's going to go down to history as one of the greatest uh, – uh, coaches in, in, in our sport, uh, particularly when you're talking about HBCU football, and no one was talking about him the week of the Celebration Bowl, and that got under those guys' uh, skin a lot, and they wanted people to understand that the MEAC isn't going anywhere. There's been a lot of talk all year, the MEAC ain't this, the MEAC ain't that. Um, so when you couple all those things um, and, and put it into that ball game, you had a South Carolina State team, and they, they said, we played angry because we were. Uh, and, and Jackson State caught the brunt of that. A 21-point loss, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the largest in Celebration Bowl history. Who would have thought that? Over 48,000. Congratulations. Top crowd in the Celebration Bowl. MEAC has only lost one of these Celebration Bowls. They lead in the MEAC Swag Challenge. A pin is, I think, the SWAC will catch up. But the fact is, the MEAC has done better in the SWAC MEAC Challenge and the Celebration Bowl, BJ. And um, defensively, I thought uh, South Carolina State, they were physical, and they gave Shadua Sanders some different looks. Sometimes you see him showing blitz. They drop eight back in coverage and two INTs by Sanders and, and then offensively. Um, Jackson State defensively, they come after you. It's no secret. They play a lot of press coverage, man to man. South Carolina State was able to go up top. And you remember in the first half, he missed some opportunities. 
South Carolina uh-huh. State quarterback. So overall, great game plan. They felt disrespected. I can see that. And it showed. They came out and they took care of business. 21 points. Wow. And I think, you know, South Carolina State, that, that, that program has gone through a lot. And it's, and it's something I want people to think about. South Carolina State for the last two or three seasons, if you look at their roster, about 98% of that roster is from the state of South Carolina. Reason being because of the budget cuts, they haven't been able to recruit outside of the state. So that roster is primarily South Carolina uh, kids. Um, and also, when you look at this particular roster, once you go down the roster, and I want you to look at how many seniors are on this roster, I'll save you the time, it's six total. They are losing a grand total of six players off of this football team. The running back that you saw, freshman. Shaq Davis, sophomore. Quarterback, sophomore. Like, it's literally, this team is literally riddled with redshirt freshmen uh, and sophomores, and they're all from the state of South Carolina. And I said that to say that South Carolina State ain't going anywhere. Uh, they're going to retool and, and, and be right back in the position this upcoming season. Coach Pew Charles, you know, what, a couple of years ago, it was, we were about to, we thought we were going to see the, the, the farewell tour for Coach Pew. Great success, but then, hey, he was able to turn it around. And, and I guess the question would be to both of you, usually we see, a celebration bowl win financially, it's better for the institution, you know, both, you know, getting more money in there. And and I'm sure South Carolina state would, would take advantage of that. And hopefully they'll reap some rewards from this big victory. Yeah. I mean, I I think just what, what BJ talked about in terms of the disrespect and we talked about in the last hour, Carlos, I think throughout the MEAC when it comes to MEAC versus SWAC, and, you know, BJ's more in tune with the MEAC, I think, than I am. I think there's a little bit of disrespect from to the MEAC, you know, when it comes to the SWAC MEAC Challenge Celebration Bowl. We always talk about the SWAC and what the SWAC has done to all our SWAC teams, but we don't talk a lot about the MEAC. And I think I think that gets under those guys' skins from the other schools, whether it's Central, whether it's South Carolina State. And I think in the national stage of the SWAC MEAC Challenge and Celebration Bowl, the MEAC teams have a point to prove that, hey, don't forget about us. Like BJ said, we're not going anywhere. And so whether it's North Carolina Central, whether it's South Carolina State, whatever the case, they want to go out and prove that the MEAC is just as good as the SWAC. And that's what, you know, that's kind of what I want to ask BJ about. Do you think that that, that chip on their shoulder when the SWAC MEAC challenge or SWAC MEAC games roll around, is that a bigger factor than, than maybe people don't talk about? It is. Um, you know, living in Atlanta, I run across a lot of guys from the MEAC. Um, and they will always say, always say, hey, man, we talk about hypertension, the MEAC will never match the sweat. I mean, you guys get the crowds, you guys get the attention. But we, when we put it on the field and between the lines, um, and, and they'll tell you, we're, we're better. Uh, we're better. And they, and they, and they say that. Uh, and they've been saying it, you know, for a while. If you go back uh, to the sweat MEAC uh, uh, battles, if you go all the way back to the, the mid-90s, the MEAC has an, an overall winning record uh, by two to one. Uh, it's a significant gap. It ain't, it ain't you know, a few games here or there. And, I, and, and that really fires uh, those, team, uh, those teams and those schools and those alumni of those schools up because all they hear is swack, 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 swack. Yeah. And, then, and then to me, the style of play, the, one word, physicality. When I look, 
when you if you mention the MIAC to me, they're very physical. We've seen physical teams from the SWAC that we said were physical, like Alcorn and Grambling State, but A&T didn't lose in the Celebration Bowl. North Carolina Central, a very physical team. So they're, they're very physical. And I thought South Carolina State, again, showed that um, in, in the Celebration Bowl. Uh, someone explained it the way this to me. It's like being in a boxing match. I, I know you're going to throw three punches. I'm going to get hard, hit hard three times. And that's usually the way that it works in, in swag football. What changes up when you start facing off against those MIAC teams, it's going to be a lot more than three punches coming. And you, you, you're thinking, okay, what's the emotion run? You know, we get past the emotion and then, it, then that's just going to, no, it doesn't stop. And if you haven't played against that, that's tough to overcome. Even with Jackson State, you saw South Carolina State getting physical with some guys from Jackson State on uh, two Saturdays ago, and they were just not accustomed to it. Um, if you look at how physical they were in the blocking, how physical they were in the, in the tackling, those some guys that honestly they hadn't experienced it all year. Uh, so it, it, it caught them by surprise. And being on the sideline, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. By the third quarter, that game, the middle of the third quarter, that game was over. That that game was over. Interesting, to say the least. Well, it is what it is. The MIAC, once again, they triumphed against the Southwest Athletic Conference, and uh, hopefully it will change soon. <laughs> this couple of years, it's always next year, uh, BJ. Um. BJ, Coach Dooley, now settled in, has his uh, his staff. And I was talking to social media, some Prairie View and them supporters or alums, and they were like, wow, took took all of Prairie View's staff. But when you look deep into to those hires, they were at Prairie View, but they have Southern ties. They either played or coached. With Southern guys coming back so, home. so smart move. What was that, BJ? Southern guys coming back home. Yeah. I I I I would agree. And so what 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 do you think of, of about the staff? I, I know one we were talking about before we came on, um, Demarcus Miller. That that was a shocker to me. Defensive line coach, now he adds collegiate experience to his coaching pedigree. And you're talking about a guy that played at Southern University, man, played on one of the greatest teams in Southern University history, that 99 uh, championship team, an unblockable at the defensive tackle position. Uh, you said it right before we came on, man. If he were two to three inches taller, he would have been making a lot, a lot of money in the National Football League. Uh, boo-boo, as we call him. <laughs> boo-boo. <laughs> As we call him, but the man, Demarcus Miller, man, what he's done on the field, and now he's being going to have the ability to teach that uh, to those defensive linemen, man. That speaks dividends. Um, you got uh, so many other guys coming back, whether it's uh, 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 Mark Frederick, uh, you got Rock coming back, uh, uh, Coach Coach Miller, you know, coming back. I mean, it's it, it's the old game. Uh, the old gang is, is, is back. And, and what's going to be interesting to see, everyone's, everyone's looking at recruiting right now uh, with what you see uh, Jackson State doing and you see what Alabama A&M doing in particular and Grambling is doing. 
people a little bit antsy about recruiting. And, and what I'm telling people, hey, relax, man, relax. You know, so I ain't saying this is February. Not, not until February, so just relax a little bit. Yeah, and, and Coach Dooley says it because could sign up to 17 more student athletes in, in February. But um, Henry Miller, I remember, secondary coach at Southern University, secondary defensive coach. coordinator. Alvin Fossman played played at Southern University. The linebackers, Ryan Burton. He's going to be the safety coach. Lee Allen Clark, defensive end, Grambling State. Grambling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Damon Nivens played at Southern University. Coached at Southern University. Offensive line. Mark Frederick played at Southern. Coached at Southern University. Was at Prairie View, of course, coming coming over. Uh, Devin Fossilman originally signed with uh, Mississippi State. Finished his career at Jackson State. He's a receiver coach. Ricky Jackson, recruiting coordinator. And, of course, we talked about Demarcus uh, Miller. The only staff that was held over was Chris Brown. Uh, tight ends is the only coach um, retained. But uh, Coach Judah says Henry Miller is no stranger on the bluff. He brings a wealth of knowledge and experience in the swag. And matter of fact, the defense was, I think, third overall in the conference at, at Prairie View. So uh, you look at Southern University, they went into the JUCO ranks, um, nine signees, I think seven, six, seven on the defensive side, BJ. Yeah, um, you know, that lets you know that, hey, defense wins championships. And that's something that Coach Dooley said at his press conference. That, hey, when I first became a head coach, man, I'm like, hey, offense, and I get these receivers, quarterbacks, man, I'm just going to simply outscore you. Uh, but his maturation as a head coach, you know, let him know that, hey, that's not possible. Um, you got to play all phases of the game. And you saw that with this uh, particular group that he signed. I would not be shocked uh, to see a few more defensive guys. I really see some guys on the outside and, and uh, you know, everybody talks about the quarterback position, but, um, you know, Coach Dooley, he's going to hit that offensive line hard as well. Uh, you're absolutely uh, right. Um, one quarterback, Bishon McCray, him and his brother, quarterback from uh, Orlando, Florida, Heinz Community College, threw for over 1,100 yards, six foot 180. His brother is Benny McCray, defensive back from Florida International. Um, played the last year. They also hit the um, JUCO ranks, Trey Lane, defensive lineman, Darren Mars from Southern Lab, Brian McNair, transfer reporter from Ohio University, Kelby Gibbons, defensive line from Captain Shreve, 6'2", 230. They're going to be all right. He knows the stakes. Everybody can't coach at Southern because it's high pressure, but we can say that about every uh, plays. Alcorn State, Coach McNair, they uh-huh. didn't have a typical Alcorn season. I've noticed they've hit the Ju- Juco route as well. Juco compared to transfer Porter. Uh, BJ, we'll wrap it up with that with that question. Um, is it you, do you think people forget about the Juco uh, when they're recruiting and they're putting more emphasis on the transfer portal? Why is it still important to, to go to the JUCO ranks? I mean, you, you have a lot of those kids, man, that have the athletic ability for whatever reason they ended up in the JUCO route, man. A lot of those academics, uh, some of them uh, kids just want to go that, that route to see, hey, can I get re-recruited and get a bigger shot? Uh, but I think right there in the state of Mississippi, you got one of the, the best uh, junior college football systems in the country. Uh, we talk about Hines and, 
and Gulf Coast and 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 and, and Jones and Colin and and those groups over there, East Mississippi, East Central, they play some quality junior college football over in the state of Mississippi. Um, and you're going to get some quality athletes uh, from those ranks. And I think what the portal does, it gives you some guys that kind of have some, they got some print on the resume at this level. Uh, you know, especially guys who have playing experience and you can evaluate their film uh, playing on the collegiate level, especially those guys who played on the FBS level. It gives you an opportunity, you know, they got print on a resume, you know, they got stuff that, you know, to go about Their track history is there. So I think you got to have balance in doing both. I would agree. Well, BJ, happy new year to you. Uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Oh, uh, you have a show coming up um, tomorrow? No, no. Oh, we'll, or we'll uh, this it. week coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll kick it. Uh, do a recap uh, on next Sunday. Um, just recapping everything, but uh, and we'll take this one off. I understand. Well, we shall talk again real soon. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. All right, man. Uh, happy New Year to you guys, you and Charles, man. And I hope that 20, uh, 2022 is the best chapter yet for you guys. Same to you. Same to you, BJ. 2022 is going to be good. <laughs> take it easy well we've come to the end of the first show of 2022 the Carlos Brown show right here on the Black College Sports Network Charles closing comment well I, I want to echo what BJ said I think as far as all core recruiting um, hitting the JUCO ranks probably the best year they've had in a while in terms of hitting the JUCO ranks and yes we do have one of the best JUCO systems in the country East Mississippi uh, Hines up north or on the coast. I mean, there's talent all over the lot. And we definitely hit that hard. We hit the portal a little bit, and then we'll see what happens in February. And I just want to make a comment about Coach. I think Coach Dooley's making all the right moves, getting the fan base, the Jaguar Nation excited about, you know, the coaches that have Louisiana and or Southern Ties. I think that's that's a good start to get people excited and comfortable with what Coach Dooley is doing. And, and I think that's that's the way to go. I mean, he's hitting the ground sprinting, not running. And, and that's a good thing because uh, the West is wide open and whoever takes that stranglehold on it could possibly win it right off the bat. I want to thank Brian Fulford, Mr. Orange and Green himself, for producing today's show. Uh, once again, make sure that um, you like and share this show and Black College Sports Network, and appreciate everybody in the chat room on Facebook and YouTube. I want to thank you, Charles, for coming on today. I guess we'll talk again next week. You'll be on the road. I guess you're, I guess you're glad to be home for a, a few days. You're always busy. Always yeah. busy. I just want to say be safe, everybody, because yeah. especially traveling and flying, these airports are packed. These planes are packed. Wear your mask, socially distant. It's uh, it's it's tough out there. Just stay safe so we can get back to some sense of normalcy. Well said. Until next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, 12 noon Eastern Standard Time for the Coles Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Until that time, as always, peace, God bless, and Happy New Year. Thank you.
Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Network. The Cuvée Group is 